Cycling is a big deal in Europe, not such a big deal here, although I know we have some cyclists here at the church, but it is like second to soccer in Europe, very popular. And so when Luka Pabernik, uh, a Slovenian cyclist, uh, raced in the Giro d'Italia a couple of weeks ago, all eyes in Europe were on him, and it was interesting. I'm going well, to show you a video clip about 20 seconds long, but before I do that, I just need to let you know a little bit about what is happening. So, Luca Pabernik uh, is celebrating. You'll see him riding his bike. His arms are up. He's celebrating. He believes he has just won this important stage, uh, this important part of the race, is crossing the finish line, uh, when in actuality there is still a lap to go. All right? So, he hasn't won, and I have no idea what the commentators are saying. I believe it is German because they're saying, nine, nine, nine. But um, they appear to be very entertained by what they're seeing. So watch this clip and we'll talk about it a little bit as we set up uh, the study this morning. No, 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 Jetzt denkt er auch, Leute, hoffentlich hat das niemand gesehen. Und das haben alle ja, gesehen. Alle gesehen. In 190 <laughs> Ländern wird das Ganze übertragen. Yeah, so, I mean, he thinks he has the race under control. Well, he, he thinks he won the race. He did have the race under control. He was way out in front. Uh, it was his to lose, and he did lose it. In fact, what you just saw was how you get from first place to 148th place, which is where he finished in this particular stage. What a nightmare for Luca Pabernik. Um, and what a lesson for all of us. Just basically be aware, like know the race that you're running. Where is the finish line? When is the finish line? What are the basic parameters for the race that you are in or the work that you are a part of or the job that you have been given to do? Wherever that finish line is, in that endeavor, know where that is and know what the parameters of the race are. It'll make, <laughs> it'll make a big difference in terms of, of outcomes, right? Well, this morning, we're going to go into a discussion from the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians living in the city of Corinth about the parameters of spiritual gifts, about what the finish line is, what the purpose of those gifts are, what are they trying to achieve. And so let's just um, jump right in here as he wants to be very clear with them and with us that we understand how this works, that we know what the parameters are for how the Holy Spirit wants to powerfully work in our lives to serve others. So he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, what I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. Now check this out. He says, this is complex, and this is from the message, by the way. He says, this is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. He says, I want you believers to know what's going on, to be aware of his work and what he is trying to accomplish in your lives. So here's the context. Paul is writing to this church, 
in Corinth, an ancient Greek city. And let me just say, the context is so important here, okay? We could talk hours about the context. I won't do that. I'll just give you a few snippets here because context is so important here. The church in Corinth was a mess. This is a church in chaos, okay? Are they Christians? Yes. Are they saved? Yes. God, uh, he refers to them as saints. Do they love Jesus? Yes. But even so, they are a complete mess. What you have in Corinth, you have a congregation. Just try to imagine this. You have a congregation where some church members are suing other church members. Okay? So they're worshiping on Sunday. They're taking them to court on Monday. That was actually happening in this church. You have a church where their worship times are so disorderly and so competitive, you'll see kind of as we get into the conversation in the morning, they're competing with one another, that when they get together, Paul tells them their worship assemblies actually do more harm than good. Like imagine the scenario where an apostle of God is saying, it would have been better if everybody just would have stayed home. I mean, it is that bad in Corinth. You've got a church where there are huge separations between the rich members and the poor members. It is a segregated church, and nowhere is that seen more clearly than when they, than when they have the Lord's Supper, okay? They would celebrate the Lord's Supper in the context of a meal, kind of like, think potluck, but at some point they would serve the elements and remember Christ. But in this case, the rich people would show up early when the good food was there and they would eat the good food and the poor people could come later and, and chow down just on the scraps. That was happening at the Church of Christ in Corinth. They had views on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were very self-centered, that were all about elevating themselves and making themselves look important. There was incest in the church. There was sexual immorality in the church, and the leadership of the church just turned a blind eye. I could go on. Just lots and lots of train-wrecky sorts of things happening at the church in Corinth. Um, and when it came to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they didn't know how they worked. They didn't know where the finish line is, what it was all about. They didn't know what the parameters for the work of the Holy Spirit were or what the purpose of the gift was. So let's hear the word of the Lord now as we go to our text. The first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we go. Now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know... When you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now he says, so just think of the variety here, these words of variety. Um, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them, in all men. Now to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. 
To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. So the Holy Spirit, clearly in the driver's seat, He is the one determining who gets which gifts and, 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 um, and distributing those. So as we come to this lesson today in the Spirit Within series, we want to take a closer look at the spiritual gifts. What are they for? What are their parameters and where's the, where's the finish line? Where are they designed to take us as a church today? So let's get started with the big idea. Write this down. This is on the outline this morning. Here is kind of the big idea. Spiritual gifts exist. So no S on the end of exist there. Yeah, that, ugh, I got that this morning. I was like, oh, Spiritual gifts exist to glorify God and to grow the church of Jesus Christ. Um, they exist to glorify God and grow the church. Paul tells us this when he says in verse 12, Since you are eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. By the way, in between these two chapters we've just read from, chapter 12, chapter 14, obviously we have chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all remember that? Have you ever heard that at a wedding before? Yes. It is the chapter that is all about the centrality of love. So in this spiritual gifts sandwich that Paul is making for us this morning, right in the middle, the meat of the matter is love. All right? What the Holy Spirit is trying to do is build the whole church up. Bring people together for the glory of Jesus Christ. Christ. So believers, whether they are in Corinth back in the first century or Dallas in the 21st century, they are given gifts from the Spirit for the common good, for the building up of the entire body of believers. Uh, these gifts are, I guess you could say, body builders. Um, but what we try to do oftentimes, and what I've seen done, is trying to put a very precise definition on what is and what is not a spiritual gift. I don't think that's a bad thing to try to do. There have been books written about it. There's been lots of lessons and sermons preached about this and everything. Um, but I think to get pretty simplified here, so the distinction tends to be, well, what are the, what's the difference between like natural talents and natural abilities versus like spiritual gifts, gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Um, well, there are a lot of similarities, okay? Both can be strengthened. Both can be controlled, as we'll see as he's giving orders and instructions on how these gifts are to be practiced for the good of the church or exercised. They can be strengthened. They can be developed. They can be controlled. There does seem to be some overlap between natural, uh, let's say, God-given talents and then God-given spiritual gifts. Um, basically, most often, a spiritual gift is a talent or an ability that the Holy Spirit has sort of supercharged for His purposes for glorifying God and for growing the church. Usually, that's what's going on. We'll talk more about this in a, in a little bit. We'll put more, more flesh on that in just a minute. But in Corinth, it becomes clear that many Christians there didn't 
seem to know much about how the spiritual gifts work. Now, don't get me wrong. They wanted them. They loved them. They celebrated the spiritual gifts. But their celebrations were about as oft as Luca Pavernik's celebration was in that clip we just watched. They really didn't get what the gifts were all about. So here is the main issue in Corinth. This is on your outline. The big problem with the Corinthian church is this. Spiritual gifts were being employed for the promotion and glorification of individuals. Not the church. Okay? They were for individual glorification, not for the glorification of Christ and the building up of the church. Or you could even say the gifts themselves were being glorified. The spiritual gifts are not intended to be glorified. They are glory bringers to Christ. So different Christians in this church in Corinth had different gifts, just like we do here at Preston Crest. But there, instead of the Spirit using those gifts to, like we've been talking about the last couple weeks, using those gifts to shine the spotlight on Jesus, there those gifts were to shine the spotlight on the individual, right? Um, and as we've been talking about the past few weeks, the Spirit is always interested in bringing glory to Jesus. So it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a problem in Corinth, especially with one particular gift. And he is going to talk about this gift more than any other in these three chapters, 12, 13, 14. It is the gift of tongues. Certain people had this gift, um, and it was being exercised in a selfish and arrogant and, frankly, just really confusing sort of way in Corinth. They would, the people who had this gift, they would speak in tongues, in these languages, in worship gatherings, without having anyone there to interpret. So think just a lot of noise, just a lot of noise. Uh, gibberish, noise, no one knew what anything meant, uh, but everybody was talking in these foreign languages. So noise there. And even the tongue speakers, even the people who were speaking in these tongues, they didn't know what they were saying, and no one was there to interpret. And also, Paul lets us know, you had multiple people speaking at the same time. So yeah, like I said, just a lot of noise. A lot of people talking. No one knew what anything meant that was being said. Um, chaos again. Chaos reigned in Corinth. One thing that amazes me about the Holy Spirit is that he allows us, he allows us to misuse his gifts. I don't think you can walk away from the text without, even, without acknowledging the Holy Spirit actually gives us the freedom to misuse his gifts, because that was certainly happening in Corinth. It just shows us, I think, that he loves us, that he wants desperately to partner with us, um, and he honors us, imperfect people like us. And he gives us freedom, he gives us great latitude to choose how we will use the gifts that he gives us. And Paul basically says, look, hey, if you want to speak in tongues... All the time, like, 
um, even when you don't know what you're saying and there's no one around to interpret, Paul basically says, fine, but do that at home. (laughs) Do that on your own time, Uh, not here in our church gatherings. Uh, And while the apostle had to rebuke them on some things in his letters, Uh, especially about this particular gift and the exercise of it, he also gives us a lot of positive lessons, a lot of positive instruction about spiritual gifts in general. And I think that's what we're most interested in today here because we don't have a big issue with tongue speaking and confusion in our assemblies uh, from tongue speaking at Preston Crest. But there's a lot of good content here. So write this down. It's this notion about spiritual gifts that all believers have received a gift or gifts from the Spirit so that others may experience the touch of Jesus through us. Each one of us has experienced some manifestation of the Spirit so that other believers may experience the touch of Jesus through us. As 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the body building. Um, So just from this one short verse, we learn a lot about spiritual gifts, about this complex, often misunderstood thing of spiritual gifts, right? We learn first, the bullet point there is who receives a gift from the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul says to each one, every Christian receives a gift or gifts from the Holy Spirit. The second thing we learn is this. Who determines how those gifts are distributed? We learn, uh, no surprise here, it is the Spirit. It is the Spirit who makes this determination. He is the one handing the gifts out. Um, They are manifestations of Him. He is orchestrating this. And now, the third one is, is again, we're going to hit this again because this is the number one thing when it comes to spiritual gifts. It is, how should I use that gift? I should use it to serve the church. Now, you may be thinking, well, those gifts exist also to serve the world out there. Well, yes, but Paul is primarily concerned with the gifts being used to serve the body, to serve the congregation, to serve the church. And if you have been a member here at Preston Crest, or if you are a member, you have been given some sort of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Um, You've been given that to bless and to serve your brothers and sisters here at this church, not to serve yourself, okay? Uh, And in the rest of chapter 12, Paul is going to speak about this incredible variety of spiritual gifts. We read about a few of them there, but he's going to talk about a lot more just in this chapter. Some of the gifts are more, I think you could say, impressive. Some of the gifts are more spectacular, are more jaw-dropping. Others are more discreet, are more mundane, are more practical, are are less impressive, but very practical. Each gift, the apostle is going to tell us, each gift, however, is indispensable. Each gift is of incredible importance to the body. No gift is more important than any other gift. All of the gifts are important. Check out what he says here in chapter 12, kind of thinking about the spotlight gifts, the big impressive gifts versus the more mundane gifts, he says these things. He says, in fact, 
Some parts of the body, so now he's switching this metaphor of the body, hands and feet and, 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 and nose and toes and some parts of the body more impressive than others. We all know that. And he says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and that seem least important are actually what? Are actually the most necessary. You hide your big toe, generally. If you're a man, especially. You're, you might be wearing sandals if you're a woman or something. But, but if you were to lose your big toe, you're not going to be able to walk. At least not going to be able to walk very well. It doesn't seem that important, but it is very important. So he says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weak is the least important, actually the most important. All the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Your body, your body is meant to work together. And if one part of your body is hurting, the whole body hurts. Amen? Have you ever been hammering a nail and you hit your thumb? Boom. Your whole body hurts. I mean, you feel that, right? Um, and he's saying in the church, when one part of the body hurts, when one part of the body is not doing what it was intended to do or is not being honored for the work it does that may be a humble job that it does, the whole body is going to suffer. So here's the big question I think most of us want an answer to. What is my gift or what are my gifts? That's the question I think most people walk away from this asking. If Paul is right... We all have these manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So how do I know what mine is or what ours are? Um, and there have been books written about this. There are websites where you can get on and type in different answers to questions or places where you can fill out questionnaires and they'll help you determine what your spiritual gifts are. By the way, I think all that stuff is helpful, but I think it really can be even more simple than that. Um, so here's this block here on your, on your outline that I want you to think about. I believe that a spiritual gift usually... So how do I figure out what they are? I believe it usually coincides with natural abilities that I already have. Uh, and those gifts reveal themselves in concerns. Okay, What burdens me? What am I passionate about? Um, it, they also reveal themselves in areas of competence. What am I good at? And they also reveal themselves through the corroboration of others, through the affirmation, the corroboration of other people that say, hey, you're really great at that. I enjoy it when you do that. That's very helpful. Um, so basically, you can work out what your gift is, what your gifts are, by thinking about what burdens you, what drives you, what keeps you up at night. Um, those concerns that are unique to you are often tied into areas of giftedness. Um, I mean, if you, if you are burdened by the poor, I mean, your heart breaks when you drive past people in need, and that keeps you awake at night, and that troubles your spirit, very likely you have a spiritual gift that Paul is going to label as generosity or giving. Um, you're going to feel best when you're giving. You're exercising that gift. Now, we all need to help the poor. 
But there are folks who have this gift, and I believe they feel that burden more strongly than others. If, if you love children, and you love to bless children and see children thrive, your gifts may be in, in, in serving in the nursery or in teaching, um, working with kids. So that burden, but also competence obviously comes into play, right? I mean, I may love music, but John Scott, that doesn't make me a song leader, believe me. Believe me, doesn't make me a song leader. Um, competence comes into play. What do you do well? Um, you're likely to find your spiritual gift in one of those areas where you have some capability, okay? And then finally, in helping to discover or find or affirm spiritual gifts that you have, uh, think about corroboration. You know, when you do X, Y, or Z, do people comment on it? Is it helpful to them? Uh, do they recognize that in you? Those, again, are ways to discover what your spiritual gifts are. When you teach, uh, when you share your faith, when you organize an event, do you get positive feedback? Um, now, there are, let's get to the number of gifts. Is this a finite set of gifts? Are they just the ones that are listed there in the New Testament for us? Or is there kind of an infinite number of possibilities? I would say the latter, infinite number of possibilities. I mean, in the Old Testament, you find gifts that are artistic gifts, like making, uh, etching gold, working with precious metals. Um, music is a gift that is given by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Gifts of courage and leadership are given strength to Samson, given in the Old Testament, physical strength. In the New Testament, um, there are many, many others listed. Um, now, I think, I don't, let me put it this way, I don't think there is a finite gift, list of gifts that the Holy Spirit can distribute. I don't think there are like just 24 spiritual gifts in the New Testament. It's got to be that or else you don't have a gift. And I think that because A, there are a whole bunch of gifts, and B, each time, each time in Scripture, um, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, each time there is some sort of list, if you will, of the gifts, those lists are never the same, okay? Those lists are, the one in 1 Corinthians is a little different from the one in Romans. The one in Romans is a different one. So they're always a little bit different. And if the lists are constantly different, I think that just kind of affirms from Scripture that there are diverse gifts. The Spirit is, is giving gifts according to the need of the moment. Um, they can be kind of spectacular sorts of things. But even in the Bible, most of the gifts that are given are more practical, mundane sorts of things, more day-to-day -day sorts of things. Gifts like, and I have these lists on your outline this morning. I'm just going to read these. We're not going to talk about them one by one or anything, but gift of encouraging or exhortation, a gift of giving. Uh, there are spiritual gifts of leadership. There are spiritual gifts of uh, mercy, prophecy, spiritual gifts of service. Uh, the Spirit gives gifts of teaching, Gifts of administration, um, some of you have those sorts of gifts. Gifts of discernment, gifts of faith, uh, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, gifts of wisdom, gifts of evangelism are also mentioned in the New Testament. So the important thing, back to the central idea, what Paul, I think, wants us to walk away with today is this. 
whatever gift you have been given or whatever gifts you have been given, use those, exercise those, employ those, put those to work to serve Christ and to serve the church. Amen? Yes, that's what we're supposed to do. Know the parameters of the race. Know the finish line. Know where, what your gift is intended to do, where you're intended to take this. You have been gifted to praise, to bring praise to the Lord and to help build up His kingdom. And Peter, another apostle, I think you'll see in this letter that he wrote, totally agrees with Paul. I love this text. Very simple. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, Peter says this, Each of you has received a gift to use for what? To serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. So variety of gifts here. Be good servants with those. Anyone who speaks should speak with words from God. Anyone who serves should serve with the strength God gives so that in everything, what? In everything, God will be praised through Jesus Christ. Power and glory belong to Him forever and ever. Amen. One final note here this morning, and this is on the outline as well. I think this is important to just kind of pause and recognize because you have these gifts of serving, gifts of compassion, of giving, uh, gifts of, of evangelism, gifts of faith. So write this down. While gifts are uniquely distributed to specific individuals within the church, most gifts are assigned to believers as general responsibilities. So what we're saying is, yes, there may be a person with a special gift of service. That doesn't mean the rest of us are off the hook. Oh, I don't need to serve. All right? There are special gifts of faith, but that doesn't mean the rest of us, well, we don't need any faith. There are special gifts of evangelism. Well, none of us need to share our faith because those people will share their faith. There, you see what I'm saying? There are gifts of... Generally, they, they are general responsibilities given to all believers because they are very, very important. But the Holy Spirit gives extra measures or gives gifts to certain people to, to, to really excel at these things. Um, okay. Now, my prayer is not only that, you, that we will each be able to discern what gift or gifts that we have, but that the Spirit will give us eyes to see how He wants for us to employ those gifts right here in our church at Preston Crest. That is my prayer, how we put those to use. And I promise you, if you have a gift, if the Spirit has given you a gift, and I believe based on the text He has, um, then we as a church... We are poorer and we are weaker if you choose to keep that gift to yourself, if you choose not to share that or use that for the good of the church. Um, we're just a weaker church if you're choosing to do that. Uh, and it may be with VBS coming up. It may be helping out with the deficit of teachers we have each summer. Uh, we're looking for children's teachers to give our regulars 
uh, a couple of months off, or the adult teaching ministry. We're always looking for teachers there as well. It may be serving in one of the multitude of urban outreach ministries that are going on here at Preston Crest into our community, um, or helping to organize events. That gift of administration, wow, what a blessing that is. Uh, my wife has that, by the way. It is such a blessing to be around people who know how to organize and administer and lead events and ministries. Um, but we are all equipped to serve. Um, greeting ministry, friend speak ministry. Okay, I could go on, right. Uh, we are all equipped to serve, and the important thing is to find out where that need is, where that place is, and to begin exercising that gift. Remember Peter's inspired words from the Holy Spirit. Peter said, 1 Peter 4.10, Each of you... Actually, let's put that up there. Why don't you read this with me? Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. Be good servants of God's various gifts of grace. It's a good place to finish. So we're all, each of us, called and equipped to be bodybuilders, serving, strengthening the body of Christ. Um, and that's the goal of the race. That's the finish line. We're put here to serve and bless. And when you embrace that, you bring glory to Christ, you grow the church, and you become the person God has called you to be. So right now, um, right here, one thing you can do before you leave the room, if this is something you, you feel led to do that you want to do, you can pray with someone. That is a great way to serve someone. That is a great way to build the body here is just to get with someone and pray with them. Um, we're going to have a response time, a couple of extra songs this morning for that. Um, maybe it's time for you to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe it's time for you to be joined to the family of Christ and to join your story with his salvation story. He died for you on the cross. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, you can be saved, you can be forgiven, and you can live with a purpose like we've been talking about this morning for the rest of your life, to bring glory to him, to grow his church, to serve this fallen world in the name of Christ. That starts with a decision to put on Christ in baptism. And you can do that this morning. However you need to respond, do that as we stand together in worship.